Hello. Hello. Oh, I'm sure that's the wrong microphone. Might be. Yeah. Oh, I know why. The the right microphone's not plugged in, Don. Huh. Well, that would make it pretty hard for it to work. Yep. Now it's plugged in. Oh, come on. Come on, you. Come on. So I was I was just down in the kitchen getting a glass of water, and uh, Kristen is watching a show on her iPad uh, entitled Saving the Right Whale. And I thought to myself, wait, is there is there a right whale? Shouldn't we just save them all? <laughs> then I realized that's the name of a whale. It's yeah. Um, it's a. It, it, we should save them all. We save save right. all the whales. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, all right. I gotta try. So, so anyway, so we should save uh, save the right microphone for the podcast. Save it. Save it to, for the right microphone. I I gotta I gotta plug it in. I don't know if I. I it's been so long since I've recorded at home. I don't know where to to do this. If it's this is hmm. the right place to plug in. Um, We'll find out in a minute if we hear a, a big uh, electrical frying noise. Uh, we could, you should add that in post. Yeah. Well, I, there I you got go. a thing. Yeah, there it is. I got a, I got a little thing on the front and on the back. Hey, there you go. No, so the same. There you go. One. That sounds better. Oh, that shouldn't. It's. I'm just close now. Hang on. Okay. Better. Better here. Better now. Oh, better now. Better now, right? Right? Yes, sir. Yes, okay. sir. So, so here, here's what we've learned. Um, <laughs> we're, in, uh, after how many episodes? We're still not really good at podcasts. Yeah, we're not good at this. Um, plug in. Well, and and things have changed over time. Don, life was so simple when we just skyped, and and it all just worked. And I plugged my my head my headphones into my microphone, and then my microphone into the the neck bone. And uh, <laughs> I couldn't, the I couldn't help myself to the ankle bone, right? Yeah. Right to the microphone, and it even rhymes. It's like a Dr. Seuss book here. But I've got a okay. So, um, describe my home setup uh, for for the listeners who like to visualize things. So I've got a I got a, an uh, an iMac, one of those one of those colorful ones. It's a it's a blue hue iMac. Mm. And, um, and I, on the front of the iMac, there are no ports, but I have a thing that makes it. So I have some ports on the front that says hyper hmm. on it. Hyper. Let's, let's call it hyper port. I've got some hyper sure. hyper ports. It's got the USB C's. It's got the USB a, um, the USB a some they're color coded too. I mean, two of them are blue. One's red. I don't know what that even means, but my, wow. uh, yeah, yeah. But my microphone. The ATR2500X, I think in the past I have plugged it into the front, but I've also maybe plugged it into the back. And the reason why I had to unplug it from the back is because when I swing my microphone away, when I'm not using it, it doesn't fit. So anyway, I but, but what we've learned is when Zoom is already open and we're recording, if you plug it into the hyper port, it won't show up in your, in your microphone uh oh. um, thing your microphone uh menu microphone menu i guess where it's a select yeah. the microphone so yeah see now i, I i'm oh. glad that you mentioned that because i i did just want to check to make sure that everything is correct for me but and it is i i'm uh, my microphone is the atr 2500x 
USB, and uh, my speaker is uh, Big Boys. <laughs> big Boys, yeah. Mine are, yep. Mine's my uh, cans. Big got my cans. Got my mine is Benjamin's because you know, um, uh, Uncle Uncle Paul Mac, uh, Uncle Uncle Tom, Tim Mac, he likes to call me Benjamin. Uh, and uh-huh. It's Benjamin's AirPods Max. So, but well, uh, see, I don't know if you know this, Ben, but you can call them anything that you want. I know, um, I know. And because I have a problem differentiating between all of the pods, um, I gave them names that that reference the size because that's big, that's big boys, the, the big boys, and the little boys, uh, little, little guys. Boys? I think. Little oh, guys. Well, no, I I I don't want to call them little boys because that yeah that could get me into trouble. Ooh, um, you'd be canceled, but, Don. Uh, I be, yeah, I'm I'm canceled. Um, That'd be bad. But uh, yeah, there's something something uh, not uh, not too creepy sounding. So, but big big boys, I think is uh, that's fine. Good. Hey, so I've got I, um, <laughs> now now that we've talked about Zoom and our microphones, which is how we like to start every episode. <laughs> Um, let's talk, let's talk about our dogs. Um, do you, do you have, okay. do you have, uh, you have, yes, a I have door? dogs, you, you have a dog, you have dogs, you have dogs. Oh, do you have a doggy? God, door? I would, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would like a doggy door boy. I boy it's, uh, this time of year. See this time of year is, is an interesting time of year for dogs because at least in New Jersey, it's been cold enough, at least the last few days that they don't want to be out for extended periods. But yep. it's springtime enough that there's rabbits. Yep. And yes. so they want to go out. But then once they survey the yard and they see no rabbits, uh, then they want to come right back in. And it's really <laughs> annoying. And they've learned, they've le- they haven't learned to knock to go out, but boy, have they learned to knock to come in. And it's usually it's pretty, it's pretty polite, you know. But I worry about repeated doggy toenails on glass door. There's no marks as far as I know. I haven't looked too closely because then that would bother me if I noticed that there were scratches. But they have definitely, I, and I'm thinking I should learn. I should teach him. We should get him a bell, teach him to ring the bell, but also, or a doggy door. But the problem is there's not really a good spot for the doggy door. Um, because you know, the, the, we have a slider yeah. to the deck and there's not really enough room on either side of the slider. So yeah, but I, boy, I would like it. And then we have to, of course, we'd have to teach him to use the doggy door, but I think they could learn that. Yeah. Um, dogs seem to learn but, that. In fact, this, this morning, this morning, it might've been nice because, uh, Bianca got up early and, uh, puked on the rug. So, you know, if there had been a doggy door, she could have let herself out. She could have let... right, right. Well, okay. So, so the doggy door is a constant conversation in my house, and mm. um, we we have a dog who is in and out, in and out. If someone is mm-hmm. here, if someone is with him, he. Uh, no, no, let me let me just say that there is no. I'm I'm going to do some back of the envelope data collection. Well, and not even collection, really, just guesstimating here. Um, cause no one has done sat down and, and actually counted this and put it into a, a histogram. Um, but mm. I would, I would bet that he, he would go in and out 30 times in one day if you're sitting close to the door and, and he, sometimes he just wants to go outside just to smell like he doesn't even want to, doesn't want to do anything. Just he's like There was something is floating by. And I'd like to get out there and just put my nose in the air and give a couple of sniffs. And then I'm coming back in because nothing good, nothing good out there. Um, other times he's out there for like an hour and a half, two hours, just chilling out on a, mm. we got some chairs. Um, but, but not to, not to opsec too much, but my, my, my lovely, my lovely spouse um, has, has uh, since taken a, a full-time job. 
since since mm. when you ask since recently since mm. i don't i don't know why i'm talking like in in this uh form right now um but uh but that means uh the dog uh, you know there i we have shared responsibilities over letting the dog in and out and and my my job is a little more flexible than hers is um and uh and and that's not a reason if you're listening from the North Carolina legislature to take tenure away from me it doesn't mean that that I don't mm-hmm. need tenure it just means I have the ability to come home to do my job of my podcasting here and uh and so so I try to you know structure my day so I can come home and do some of it here so I can let the dog out but a doggy mm, door would make would, sense would yeah it would really really simplify things um for oh, us. yes um, so, but even when I'm home, so here's a good example, let him out. Um, I I'm currently recording in my, in my upstairs office, not to imply I have a downstairs office. I only have the one, but it is upstairs away from our deck, which is where we would let him out. I have just left the door open right now. So he can come and go as he pleases, um, over, over the next little while as we record, because, um, he, he rings a bell and, and I would have to run downstairs, mm. you know, and, and, you know, open the door and then let him back in and close the door. Um, but here, the, the, there are other things that I want to tell you about, like this morning, Don, mm. this again has to do with doggy door safety talk, which is our new mm. podcast. Um, I, uh, both, uh, my spouse and I woke up this morning, uh, which is good. And she, she's a. Uh, rises out of bed and and does things. I I tend to lay in bed and and look at Instagram, and so so mm-hmm. I was doing that. She did things. She went and woke the kids up, uh, make sure that their alarms went off uh, and they're ready to go to school. And uh, she's like, "Hey, uh, did you let the dog out this morning?" And I was like, "No, did not." Um, and the dog was was at that time still currently in bed with me. She said, "Well, the door is wide open." So so Dawn. I don't know if one of us got up in the middle of the night, let the dog out and then went back to bed. Neither of us remember doing that. Neither of us remembering, remember opening the door last night before we went to bed to let the dog back in or let him out, whatever, whatever. But a doggy door, like we, we basically could have been killed in our, in our abode, in our, in our beds because the, you know, people that are in our neighborhood could have just broken in, killed us uh, because there's no security uh, when the door is wide open or more than likely the, what could have happened is that the possum or a squirrel could have also Mm. wandered into our house, which we don't believe that that happened, but, but what would have saved the day here is a doggy door because, uh, but we don't have one and we talk about it. We just, we, we don't, we, we maybe someday we'll have one, but we don't have one. Well, apparently, so this is so again speaking of conversations we have with our spouses about about things. Um, the um, apparently a thing on the internet is, um, hey, there's a random cat that's in my house now. Um, <laughs> so if you if you search for this on the internet, apparently this is a regular thing. So um, and I I will say we um we well and so the problem with leaving the door open is that then like you said critters can come in. Um, yeah. and. Yep. At the old house, we did have a bat in the house at one point, but I think the bat came in through a basement window, um, uh, which is which is a different problem. Um, you, is it possible that could you train tra- train your dog to go out the 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 basement window? Because that would not maybe that would solve uh, things. Not in the current house, and not really in the old house either, because mm. uh, it's a small window. It's big enough for a bat. <laughs> it's not <laughs> big enough for a big dog. Um, 
Uh, yeah, and but mostly critters just come in, and by critters I mean bugs, and that's a that's a that's a drag. Although again, th theoretically, a rabbit or a um, a squirrel or even a, a possum could could come in. Um, and also like a thing, a thing that I never used to think about, but that my wife thinks about constantly. And maybe it's because she's a woman is like, we just have to make sure that all the doors are locked at night. Yeah. And be before I met her, that's not a thing that I did, but now it's like, oh, I should, we should, yeah, we need to make sure all the doors are locked. So, um, that's just a thing that, uh, that I do, uh, or, or that mostly that she does. And sometimes I ask her about it if she, you know, cause to walk to the downstairs to lock up those doors, you know, sometimes we just need to do it. So yeah i yeah so 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 um we're we're also i'm not inclined to lock doors uh i just don't mm -hmm. i don't think about it and i always feel like mm -hmm. and i'm i'm not a professional well, pro property is theft ben i mean pro you know yes <laughs> it's nine tenths of the law right is that uh but but i'm something I'm, different you're thinking of something like that yeah uh i i'm not a um i'm not by any means a professional professional burglar uh, or hamburglar you know um, yeah for that okay. matter all right yeah but but i feel like even if the doors were locked in my house i would have no problem breaking in <laughs> and again <laughs> not to opsec this seems like something that maybe maybe i should not put out there on a podcast but i don't know like and, I, and I, i've not been to your house but i also feel like maybe i could probably break in at your house too right and again i'm not i'm not oh, creepy but you no know, you know no, you know what no, I'm no. Saying. well and no, and in fact, at our old house, at one point, Kristen um, did lock herself out, um, and yeah, and it was it, that's our old house. Our new house is you know, you'll never get into this one, but the old house, yeah, boy. Um, uh, apologies to uh, if the guy who bought our old house is still listening. <laughs> no, but I mean, obviously, any house you can you can break in, um, you know, really easily. Just you know, just got to find a window and smash it open, and then you're in. So, right, yeah. right, right, yeah, and so it's. Like that, that kind of thing, I, th I feel like is out there. Um, and, and, and so I don't, I don't worry about it, but Danny listens to a lot of true crime podcasts and she's <laughs> that's like, that's the problem. That's the problem right there. Right. Like, like I, there's a constant drone of true po true crime podcasts in my, in my house, which leads to like, someone is they're coming to get us. Someone's coming to get us all the time. Um, well, and, so, and that's why, and that's why Kristen needs to stop watching, um, airplane crash, um, shows yeah. before we get on an airplane. Right. You right. Like, so not, yeah, not the best, not the best, um, uh, idea. Um, so, uh, so, so anyway, yeah, we don't like whatever. Maybe someone broke into our house last night. I have no idea. Things seem to be in order when we mm -hmm. woke up this morning and, and, I and was there were no cats. No, there were no cats, and and I mean, truthfully, I'm I'm more concerned about possums. You know, you don't have a lot of possums in mm. in New Jersey, right? There, we have. We them do, here. we do, we oh, have. Them. I I found a dead. Yeah, no, yeah, we had it. We found a dead possum in our old yard at one point. Yeah, oh. no, we have them. They're they're pretty. They're pretty slow, but they're also pretty quiet. So yeah, we have we have foxes. Um, we have deer. We have possums. Um, I don't think we have black bears right where we are in New Jersey, but we have. I I saw a deer in our neighborhood. Um, and I've seen a fox in our neighborhood. Um, I don't think I've seen a possum, but um, that's not doesn't mean that they're not there. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I, they just I I know they're they're not aggressive, but they just look so mean. I don't really want to possum like hissing underneath my bed um oh, and so, no. right no. right and and i feel like of course that's where where said possum would have gone is directly under the bed and if, and my my dog would not, would have let it happen or something but anyway that was all i thought about the, this morning um but we're 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 good the dog is 
I think currently outside only because I just heard another dog barking at him. He, he likes, there's a, um, a st- stairs in our house that on the back, uh, in our backyard that allow him to my dog to walk up and then he can view the entire cul-de-sac from there. And then he just like whines at other dogs, like come play with me. Mm. So I'm sure that that's what's mm. happening. Um, so last, last little bit of uh pet safety talk. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Don, we have three new additions in my, in my house right now. Three, three new additions. Oh, uh, yep. Oh three my. more, three more front yard chickens have arrived. Oh, we, excellent. So how many yeah. front yard chickens are you up to? Four. We're now here. <laughs> <laughs> and for the listeners keeping track at home, I, I, I would say, uh, the the correct number of total front yard <laughs> chickens all time that we have now possessed with these current three additions is nine, and we okay we, we possess so nine nine chickens four. nine chickens have come into your yard correct, and currently four chickens remain. <laughs> yes, well, and and I would I, I'll point out that. Some of the nine chickens still remain in my yard, just not in the, not in the undead. No, in the unalive <laughs> way. Yes, not in the undead yeah. way. This isn't pet cemetery here, right? Yes, four. All right, four live. Oh, sorry, nine live chickens have come into your yard. Four yes. live chickens remain in your yard. That's correct. not a factually correct sentence. That is. That is. Um, and uh, the there is one survivor if you remember if we look at the the story arc of of front yard chickens it goes back to um as most front yard or backyard chickens go back to um sometime early in the pandemic i i think it was about april we've it's um it's now been three years right april 2020 is when we built our chicken coop and 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 got our our first round of chickens there is one chicken who has survived from the first day her name is Dolly. Wow. She has, yeah, um, uh, uh, I believe Dolly's a baller. Dolly is a baller. Dolly, the reason why um, we 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 guess that that she survived is she is the scaredest chicken out there. Like she she wants wow. no part of anybody. Oh, and so and so she's, so she's not she's she's not a baller. She's she's a she's a, a fraidy chicken. She's a fraidy chicken, but <laughs> turns out survivors are afraid yeah she she can run and she can she can flap she can uh uh fly uh i I mean and i'll put fly and richard fingers there i mean she can she can jump and flap her wings and make it eight feet up um and and that Mm. i've yeah i've i've witnessed that 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 might be sufficient it is it is so uh yeah so she's made it the whole the whole time but we've now added three more uh into the mix um and so so i the reason why i wanted to tell you about this is that um also uh concurrently with the three-year uh term (laughs) of chickens uh a a graduate student of of mine jointly of of mine uh and and my colleague um, megan jacob uh catherine gensler who you who you've interacted with a lot um you know you know catherine she is due to graduate um to do she will be graduating in three days she's completed all the requirements of her degree she she is now dr Catherine gensler um with dr Catherine gensler's graduation and and i I would say um uh soon you know i I don't know what what time frame is but she'll she'll be um i'm gonna make a terrible joke here don but she'll be leaving the nest she'll be flying the coop 
um of of uh of nc state she'll find a she'll find a job uh sometime uh soon um she i i will cease to know and i still i know i cease to know now the campylobacter and salmonella um situation in my front yard because Catherine is is the one uh. who 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 helped uh us understand uh what 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 the pathogen situation was so i'm i, I feel like we're back to and- square one can yeah. you can you remind me what was the situation when zero it was evaluated? I, not not okay. detectable, not 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 recover mm. not recovered, not detectable in both the poop and uh, mm. uh I, yeah, and and I think the I think she might have done like a like a like a soil sample swab kind drag, of thing. drag 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 that's it yeah. yeah sorry so don't I'm yeah. I'm not not to be creepy but I'm actually looking um. At your uh, front yard. <laughs> oh, great! What three words? Um, um, uh, n- no, no. Um, uh, it's actually episode uh, episode four twenty five. Pier chicken. Um, oh, and chicken, it says yeah. uh, Ben's actual front yard chickens is the show art. Leah and Dolly. Now, now one of these chickens is white and the other is brown. Um, which one? Which one is Dolly? Do- Dolly is the one with um, the white on her head. She's brown with white on her head brown white in her head okay yep 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 yeah so yeah so she's the survivor um but i don't know so i want to get your thoughts here right like um we we don't i shouldn't say we don't interact with the chickens a lot <clears throat> like i we <laughs> i interact with the chickens like this um open up the coop are <clears throat> there eggs oh there are great i'm gonna eat those my family well, I, hopefully you bring them into the house. Yeah, you don't yeah, just yeah. Shut and right I your them. mouth there I in the coop, right? Not like a. I'm like Don. I take them inside like a gentleman. I know. <laughs> okay, I, but that was it. Was not clear from the way that you said it that. Was not. If I find eggs in the in the coop, I um, eat them. I'm yeah. like, really, just like that? <laughs> just like that. I pop them right in my mouth. Like crack them. Throw it. Yeah, shells and shells it all. Shells it all. Chew yeah, them, yeah. Chew them right up. Yeah, yeah. Um. So so, but. We, you know, we've had, we've had chickens again, a total of nine. We've uh, d- definitely, mm-hmm. my, my family likes to hold the chickens every once in a while. We do a lot of hand washing um, in general, but, mm-hmm. but, but we're like, I would say there's a pretty good regime of hand washing that, that happens, especially post um, post chicken handling. And I'll tell you the, the biggest surprise that I've learned in, um, in following my children into restrooms, public restrooms is that they, are like they're really good hand washers like i i you know they they don't take a lot from me like they argue about so many things but going to um i know i noticed this and going to like a carolina hurricanes game where you know there's just like 400 people in a restroom and it's a pee trough it's actually not a pee trough but there's Mm. just a wall of urinals and there's always a lineup to wash hands and I would expect that would be the place where my kids would would just skip it, right? Like, let's get back to the yeah. game. I don't want to stand here. But both of them are like kind of um, serious about it. They're they're both they both are and will like shame others in this. So anyway, I feel like yeah, and and I, Don, a total surprise when I see this. Like it did mm-hmm. just based on like, can I get them to brush their teeth? No, you know, like hmm. things like that. But hand washing, they're, they're pretty good at. So I don't. I'm not like three years ago, four years, three years ago, when I started my chicken journey, um, I, I thought about the, you know, vac- vaccinating them for salmonella. 
Um, when Catherine came out, I was pleasantly surprised that at the time she sampled, we didn't have Campylobacter or Salmonella here in their poop that was detectable. Um, but so I don't think we're going to do anything this time. I'm just going to, you know, we're going to treat them like they, they are infected, uh, with, with, uh, um, mm-hmm. with Campylobacter and Salmonella. And it seems like my family's doing a good job hand washing. And, and my, my rule is like, we don't bring the chickens in the house. Um, yep. so they, they will like, they kind of be, you know, someone might hold them outside, but then they come in and wash their hands. I'm feeling okay about this. Like, I, yeah, I don't no, know. I think, uh, yeah. I think you've, uh, yeah, you've, you've done a risk assessment um, yeah. and uh, you've concluded that uh, everything's fine. But last time, I guess, you know, I've in- introduced three new ones and I was more concerned every time that we've introduced some, we've done a little bit more of like, oh, let's do a little bit of sampling. And this time I'm like, yeah, we're, we're not, we're, we're, com- I'm complacent. It, and, and let me, mm-hmm. let me say it's Don, I've never gotten sick. It's never happened to me. I've never made well, anybody there, sick. There you go. I've never gotten sick. That's yeah. But I feel a little bit like that in my mind, right? Like I'm getting a little complacent. Um, but but my yeah, I don't know. My my risk my risk tolerance around the chickens has has grown slightly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's good. I mean, it's in, it's informed it's informed by data, right? It's informed by data from Catherine. It's informed by data from observational data from your kids and hand washing. So yeah, no, I think uh, it seems reasonable. Yeah. I I'm I'm also. Um, so I read something recently. Let me let me find the article. Um, I don't know about avian influenza concerns in my house. <laughs> like not so oh, much in my well, house, but in my in my front yard. Yeah, and and I think that that is probably still pretty like present. Like I might not be doing the best. And I, I shouldn't like, I don't mean it might not be doing the best. I think just having the chickens is risky, right? Like is, is increasing the risk of avian influenza transmission, but, but we do check the chickens. I, I want to make sure that they're like, we see them every day. If, if we've never had a chicken appear to be ill, um, you know, like have a, you know, be um, not their normal demeanor. They move around a lot. They seem to be pretty, pretty healthy, but I read something in the Toronto star that was like, don't have backyard or front yard chickens. Hmm. And I don't know. Yeah. Like at all because of influenza. Yeah. Here it is. Here we go. Avian. I'm going to send you this link. I want you to, I, I, it's going to be, I'm sure under a paywall, maybe you can get one like the first paragraph in it, but here it comes. Um, Backyard chickens, colon, avian flu risk too great to justify Toronto program. So the new avian flu strain is downright horrific for birds. The urban hens TO program is not the solution to unethically farmed eggs. And this is coming uh, from a contributor, Caitlin Mitchell. So it's like an op-ed. And Mm -hmm. I believe Caitlin Mitchell um, is the director of legal advocacy with animal justice. So an animal protection group mm-hmm. and so i read this and and i was like i don't know it, 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 basically the headline kind of says it all right there's um you, let's not have programs to have chickens let's not allow chickens because spreading avian influenza is really bad for for animals essentially and i i don't, I don't know i feel like i'm 
again, Don, you're serving as my therapist in more ways than one. Cause I'm just talking mm-hmm. to you today about this, but, but I, I don't know. Like, I've, I feel like we like to have our chickens. We like the eggs that they give us. I, I check their, you know, to make sure that they're not sick. And, and I, I don't know. I feel like that that's I'm probably doing something risky, but, but we're, I don't know. We're in it. We're, we're, we're committed. Well, so apparently I have not hit my article limit um, oh. for the uh, Toronto star. So I can read the whole article. Um, but I want to check some facts with you. Um, apparently, according to this newspaper article, the average cost of setting up a chicken coop is in the neighborhood of a thousand dollars. Is that what it costs you to set up your coop? I don't think so. We we like I, I would say we were probably like two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars, maybe. Okay. Yeah, for like we made it all. We found some some plans online, bought um, you know, bought the we didn't we didn't buy a kit because I've got I have handy people in my in my family, including the lovely Danielle. And uh, my oldest son, Jack, who really built the whole thing, the two of them. Yeah, it wasn't a thousand bucks. Yeah. yeah. And there's, you know, there's, there's, uh, uh, there's some, again, Ben, never read the comments unless you're always going to read the comments. Um, Rhonda, eight days ago, says, biased and alarmist. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, biased and alarmist. Uh, how about mentioning cities like Vancouver and New York that are not canceling their programs? Anyway. Um <laughs> Yeah, Stuart, 10 days ago, writes the emerging disease risks are 100% down to an exploding population of homo sapiens. Man. Oh, no, that's homo it. sapiens. We should have less homo sapiens around this place. Oh, my gosh. Well, this... that that may happen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I like, you know, you and I haven't we haven't talked in food safety talk for a while. So I like to give you my updates on my, you know, yeah, on my, on my, on my things and what's going on. Yeah, and now we've talked about uh, a newspaper article from Canada, so we've okay. we checked the Canadian content the box uh, already. Check the ball. Um, you, you know what? Okay, I'm ready. So I've I did some prep today for for this. Did you? I have, I have some articles. There are things I, I I've started making like little notes of things that I want to tell you about, and and so like literally notes say doggy door, front yard chickens CFP. So let's move to CFP. Um, oh, let's let's so so you I I want to I I okay so uh for those who are not in the know uh one of the common topics on on this program food safety talk is the conference for food protection and I almost called it the conference for foodborne protection um but the conference for food protection the conference for food protection is this group that gets together uh every two years and debates issues that anybody can bring up. Uh, to make recommendations to FDA specifically around the FDA model food code, the model um, uh, rules uh, of uh, it, for restaurant food safety, but not just restaurants, restaurants, institutions, grocery store, retail, food service, caterers, the whole, the whole like making food and serving it to people kind of thing, not food processing. And I want to, I want to publicly um, tell you, because this is public in this forum, but I did text you this, that you, you did a really great job uh, last week. So, so for our listeners, Don served as uh, chair of council three, the science and technology council. And as chair, his responsibility is to keep um, the council on task and to uh, uh, build consensus and to get through the 33 or 37 issues that we, that we started with in a timely manner. And you were, um, I, I was, I didn't, 
I, I didn't know that 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 kind of facilitation was in your skill set. Like I was I was very excited for you to do it. And and I I like I I knew that you would be able to to succeed, but you were really good at it. This was uh it was it was awesome. And I'm not just saying that because you're my my co-host and favorite co-host of, of all time. Um, but uh you you really ran things well and and I thought that we 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 did a lot. It was really, really cool. So I just wanted to thank you and and commend you and uh, and your your vice chair, uh Chip Manuel, who's been a a guest on this show and also uh, a friend of ours and and maybe a sometime listener just on such a great job. So it was, it was really cool. Yeah. Thanks. It was, it was really an interesting process. And I mean, I've been on council uh, a number of times and certainly being on council, you get one perspective, but the perspective from the chair seat is different. It was really, it was really cool. So for, again, for those that don't know um, the conference runs, a uh, very tight ship with respect to Robert's rules of order and parliamentary and parliamentary procedure. And so basically, it, you know, I'm sitting there, uh, Chip is sitting on my right hand, but sitting at, at my left hand is a parliamentarian. That is a person who's been trained to be a parliamentarian. They're not a full-time parliamentarian. They work, they work for the Food and Drug Administration in, in their in their day job, uh, but they were there uh, serving as parliamentarian. And then uh, so the parliamentarian and me and then Chip and then and then sitting next to Chip was a, a individual uh, who volunteered to be scribe. And so what the job of the scribe is to put the issue that we're discussing on the screen and then to try to keep up with edits and as people are talking and making making comments and stuff. And so, yeah, it's really um, and it was it was great. I mean, I, my um, I had a couple of concerns. Uh, one concern was getting through all the issues. And we literally finished our last issue almost on the stroke of 12 noon on the last day, which was our last time to do it, um, which was which was great. We, we had handled all of our issues. Plus, we took a few issues from another council. Uh, which is something that can happen, and it was uh, it was really it was really good. It was really good to get to get things finished, and I feel like we did a pretty good job. Like we, nothing was it's not perfect, but we did a pretty good job. And uh, also, my other objective uh, was to make sure that I got my steps in every day. Uh, and if you're sitting for a certain number of hours a day, that means that the time that you have to get your steps in um, is is in the other hours of the day. And fortunately, through a little bit of diligence and watching my step counter, I was able to do that. And so I was really I was really pleased that I was able to keep my unbroken string of uh, COVID uh, 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 10.5 K steps a day uh, intact. So that was that was nice. And it was, of course, it was great to see you and Chip and all of our friends um, from Council One and to make some new friends, Council Three rather, um, to make some new friends uh, on Council Three. I got to know some people that I didn't know as well at the start of the meeting. And it was just, the whole thing was just really, uh, really delightful. It was just a really nice, uh, really nice week there in Houston. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad it's done. I'm glad to be back home. Uh, but uh, yeah, and, and also, um, Ben, I, I learned, I learned some things that I didn't know. What tell us, tell me about that. What do you, what, what did you, well, um, what didn't you know? I, 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 I learned, I learned apparently that, um, uh, commercial space travel and food safety is already covered in the current code of federal regulations, um, <laughs> 21 CFR 1240 and 1250, unless it's not. <laughs> okay. All right. Go, go ahead. Go, go on. Um, well, so I'm looking at issue, uh, 2023-3-018, uh, which is entitled commercial space travel and food safety. 
And uh, the conference recommends no action on this issue uh, because the issue is covered in the current Code of Federal Regulations, CFR 21, CFR 1240, and 1250. Um, but I've also heard um, from some people that might work for a federal agency um, that they're not really sure if commercial space travel is covered under 21 CFR 1240 and 1250, but that their lawyers are looking at it. But so could we you, didn't uh, really want to put that as the reason for no action. <laughs> yeah. 21 CFR. Um, 1240 12, and 1250. 1240 and 12, 1250. 1240. Let's do that one first. Uh, control mm -hmm. of communicable diseases. Okay. <laughs> yep. Okay. okay. Yeah. It seems like that's, that's good. That checks out. Um, uh, CFR 12, 21 CFR 1250. Ah, interstate conveyance sanitation. So this is the one that, that I think we were really, really, um, interested in. This has to do with, um, the interstate conveyances, uh, and, and Don, let me read about this again. This, I know this is fascinating, but I have a joke at the end of this that I'm, I'd like to get to that. I never got out during our deliberation. Um, so subpart B is food service sanitation on land and air conveyances and vessels. Okay. Land. Yep. And air. Space. Yep. And air conveyance, right? Like that's the real question. Well, and the title what, is interstate conveyance. Uh, is what if you launch from Houston and you land in Houston? Mm. Did you did you go interstate? I mean, if you went into space, I mean, see, this is why, you know, I mean, you and I may think that these issues could be settled by science, um, but apparently, no, um, it needs to be settled by lawyers. Well, and so, so Don, if you start and launch or and, and return to, to, to earth, um, but you pass through airspace that are different States is, does well, that do, I mean, does a state control its airspace? Does the state control its airspace? Does, uh, I don't well, think that so. Seems like, that seems like a question for chat GPT. Does a <laughs> or a lawyer or a lawyer. See, I think they do, but you, like, would you be cr crossing? I'm, I'm just guessing that like there are people have air rights, right? Like, like you, mm -hmm. you own you, your, my, I, I don't think someone can build over my, my house because of the air that I think I own the air mm. above it, but I don't know how well, high how up it goes. For how far though? How far how up far? in the air? And sometimes there are those like our satellites crossing over my air. Maybe. Um, yeah. Planes so, come over my house all the time. Yeah. They're. And I'm not yeah. allowed to shoot them down. Not as far as I know. It's trespassing. Is it trespassing? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. It's annoying. It's a, it's true. Yeah. So, um, I, the thing that I was going to joke at is like, I know we, um, it, it's in that uh, 21 CFR 1250. Uh, I, I know that that is, uh, it's about, you know, air, air, but you know, like what, 35,000 feet and like 200,000 feet. What are we talking about here in, in space? Right. Like, is it, I don't, I, I to me, and again, this is, <laughs> where the lawyers need to come in. It doesn't seem like that matters. That's why I believe I was the one who suggested a no action because it's already covered in that specific um, 21 CFR. Uh, but, but as you said, they don't know, they're not sure. 
which uh yeah interesting so yeah we got to talk about space we had we had robots in uh about eight years ago and uh and then we got space this year so these are my two i would say two of my favorite cfp issues of all time well i that's not what i thought i like truthfully it's not what i thought you were gonna say that you learned this week did you learn other things Oh, okay did i'm I'm probably i probably learned a lot of things um i did I, i did learn that um people get um, well, it depends on your, your point of view. I did. So I went, so again, this is this perfect karma. So there, there was an issue that was originally part of council one that I was a co-submitter on, on cooling foods, um, uh, not having to record time and temperature when cooling foods, if the depth of the food was two inches or less, um, they debated it in council one. I actually took a break from council three to go over and to give my comments, um, and uh, the the person who is on that council, a regulator person, was saying something about, well, what if uh, you went went into a restaurant and you measured the food at this time, and then you came back later and you measured the food at this time, and it wasn't at this temperature? Um, you couldn't do anything about it, Ben. You couldn't do anything about it. They, they would it. be breaking the law, and you couldn't yep. do anything about it. Um, and I'm like, that doesn't really seem right. And then a good friend of ours, um, Adam Immen, came over, and he sort of bent down, and he whispered to me, he said, so is that – would that be – would the laws of physics allow that? <laughs> and like, Adam, I don't know. Um, but – and he's like, you should say something about that. And so I, I got up, and I made a very smart-assy comment. Um, about the laws of physics, um, which to 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 the the great annoyance of the person who I was replying to, um, uh, but yet uh, apparently got um, got several high fives on my way out of the room um, from people that thought that um, I, I was uh, you know I, I whatever I did a I did a takedown you know I did a whatever that is that you do you know I, oh, yeah. I won the rap battle I, uh, I scored a point I'm not sure but yeah well and, so and that I'm- was that was a fun issue. I, that's what I thought you were going to say was that you learned okay. that, that that some people don't know what the don't don't understand laws, laws of physics, physics are. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but but you get you gave me a you gave me another nugget there. I got um I, the first time ever at at CFP. Um, I I said something and then a bunch of people clapped and it really kind of shook me. I didn't it maybe because most of the time I forget that people are watching this whole deliberation. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And and then all of a sudden it was like oh. I should bring these people around the rest of my life. Maybe when I say something that they think is particularly great, they'll just clap. Like, like they'll I clap. They, yeah. They, well, so I, what, I, I can't remember. I remember, I remember people clapping, but I don't remember what it was for. Yeah. I, I think, I think the issue was the, the issue around, um, uh, TCS, non TCS foods, maybe. Mm. Um, yeah. and that we, we should, you know, do something else or create a committee or something. Maybe it wasn't that issue. It was a different issue, but, but whatever it was, we debated something and then I made, made some suggestion and people clapped. And then I, I think ultimately I, we did it. And I, I don't know. It was very, it was very weird. It was a, um, yeah, it was an odd, odd, uh, odd thing to be part of. Um, yeah, well, and I, we did, uh, so the issue, the, the, the two inch cooling did pass out of yes. council three, not unanimously. Uh, but then I heard it got extracted, uh, by the, the council delegates, which is fine. And, um, and that means and, that, and that means it goes to the executive board, I think. Yeah. But when it's extracted, it means that the council of delegates. So, um, they're, they're each state gets one vote and some states get, uh, well, some agencies get half a vote within a state, um, yep. on whether, 
this the council's recommendation should actually go to be to FDA and, and move forward. And if right. it gets ex- extracted, it means it's pulled out of the group of things that um, that are going to move on. But then the executive board gets to look at them. So there's another there's a whole other game. There's three. Le- there's and then, not even three levels, multiple levels to the game. Yeah. And then and then and then, as I as I often said, the recommendation goes to FDA who can do what they want. Yeah. Because yeah. because the council the conference is only advisory to FDA, which is which is fine and 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 honestly like I'm not going anywhere right I'm gonna I'm still interested in cooling I'm still interested in helping operators cool food safely um you know and that and I you know it's the, the thing the thing that I learned then about the conference and I learned this the first time an issue that passed out of council got extracted and I was there to see it and it was about hand washing temperature. Um, what I learned is, you know, the, as, as, uh, Lawrence of Arabia family said, and also G Gordon Liddy, uh, the trick is not to mind that it hurts right? Right, <laughs> and, right, to right. Keep, and to keep playing the game. So I'm going to keep playing the game because, uh, you know, it's, it's all in the game and, uh, yo, and it's, uh, it's fun. <laughs> it's good. It is fun. Um, I, my, um, I'm going to give, uh, we're going to pause here real quick. Cause now uh, going back to doggy door, my dog is currently outside barking at something, um, and it may be a cat just based on how he sounds. Uh, so I'm going to bring him back inside and, uh, hope that he just ignores things. So I'm going to be right back. I'll be okay. Just- I'm going to, I'm going to read something. Um, oh. are you, are are if, will you be able to hear me as you go to let the dog in? Yeah. Yeah. I can hear you. I'm just okay. going to go on. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead. So I'm going to, I'll riff for a little bit. And then if we have some dead air, you can cut it out. So, um, so you mentioned chat GPT earlier and, I have found a really good use for chat GPT. So I sit on our university biosafety committee and every biosafety proposal that we review has a a little blurb up front, which is supposed to be written in lay language. Um, And invariably, when you ask scientists um, who are not extension professionals like you and I, Ben, um, when you ask them to write something in lay language, they screw it up. They screw it up incredibly. Um, And so what I'm going to do, and so I got the brilliant idea today as I was reviewing one of these proposals, which was, you know, really not lay language at all. I, I thought about, well, first I could, you know, try to get uh, Microsoft Word to tell me the 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 uh, Kincaid Fletcher score, the reading level score. I'm like, that's that's you know, why, why do that? Why not just get right to solving the problem, which is to use Chat GPT? And so I won't read you the text <clears throat> um, of that that it, that I fed into Chat GPT, but I will read you the text coming out of it because I think it's just a wonderful example of how Chat GPT can be incredibly helpful. Um, and so here, here goes. Um, chemotherapy can sometimes cause problems with a person's ability to think and remember things, which is called chemo brain. Unfortunately, there are no good treatments for this problem yet. This project is trying to find new ways to help people with chemo brain. We want to learn more about how chemo brain happens so we can figure out better ways to treat it. One idea we have is to try to make new brain cells in a part of the brain that helps with learning and memory. When there are problems with making new brain cells, it can affect a person's ability to learn and remember things. 
we think that if we can figure out how to make more new brain cells, it might help improve the thinking and memory problems caused by chemo brain. To test this idea, we will use mice with chemo brain and give them medicine to try to make new brain cells. We will also use mice with human cancer cells to see if the medicine works in a more realistic setting. Ben, Whoa, that's I very read clear. that and I was <laughs> elated, yes. right? Because- you know, so I, and then I was so elated, I cut and pasted all this into a message and sent it off to the chair of the university biosafety committee who said, yeah, that's that seems like a really good idea. I've used chat GPT and, and it didn't work out as well or something like that. But this is this is great. So I just was I just huh. want to share like, oh, and the other thing, too, Um, did you see did you see Merlin's tweet about about AI? It was it was very good and i'll see if i can find it it won't be up for very long because he, he deletes them after he a does. little while but it was it was really good it was something like um people who worry about getting replaced by ai are would think that the invention of the fork would eliminate food <laughs> which which is again it's a classic a classic yeah. merlinism right because it's funny <laughs> um but also it it starts to get you thinking it's yeah like, wait a minute yes ai is just a tool like a fork right like a fork it's, yes it's not a new kind of food don't confuse the fork for the food ben um yeah so anyway so again as as we have all been apparently thinking about ai a lot these days um yeah so have I. Oh, and also, yeah. um, not to not to opsec our recording day, but a uh, very nice episode of Risky or Not came out today with some really uh, nice uh, Dolly uh, Wild Yeast. I thought so. Oh my gosh! So that Dolly Wild Yeast did. What was the? Did you ask it for? Or like, oh, the graffiti style of Banksy. That's what it was. It, yes. it looks really yes. really cool. Yeah, it was, yeah. I, I saw the image, but I didn't see the um underneath what the prompt uh, was and what i yeah. what i'm trying to do with these with these chat gpt things is just put in the the text if it's a really if it's a good yeah. one, not if, it, if it's if it's if it's dolly i just want to put the prompt in there so people can see you know what my thought process was so yeah, yeah, yeah. oh that's good i like it i like it um so uh chat gpt um again we we've been talking about it for for a couple of months on on this show um i after um I met with after I was at conference for free protection, Don, I got I, I got called away on an emergency to go to do some other work stuff. Huh. Um, so all I of a sudden, all of a sudden you didn't know you didn't know it was coming. Well, was, right, was, right. I mean, that's out of the blue. It was very it was a bit of a surprise. And so I had to I'm fly surprised to, that you were able to get a flight flight book so quickly. Well, you know, sometimes when you've got when you've got airline status like I do, Don, um, I'm you know, not I'm not a million miler um flyer but but like I, like know, linda will be soon like linda will be exactly yeah um but i'm i'm getting there uh so i had to, i had to go uh to an emergency meeting in in canada uh on uh, agricultural <laughs> extension uh and edu international uh international uh agricultural extension and, and education and one of the sessions at this um at this and that uh, meeting, was and that was an emergency meeting <laughs> yeah yeah it was an emergency i needed okay. to i needed to leave and it and it came it just uh, it just came up out of nowhere and and i needed to huh. okay yeah well, well i got good. a yeah i got a i got a note about it and i was like i got well so don i got a note from um 
from Delta saying I needed to check in. And that was, that really prompted me <laughs> to, to, to leave very quickly. Uh, <laughs> to check in for the flight that you had only just recently scheduled. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so no, everything, everything was fine uh, with my very quick uh, leaving of, of CFP. Um, but there in that, in that uh, meeting, people were talking about chat GPT and um, mm-hmm. someone, someone said that their experience they 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 stumbled upon chat gpt for an online course that they were teaching that included forum posts are you in in your in your role don as uh your uh, uh director of graduate programs is that your is that your title the uh it is your official yeah you uh, are you referred to i feel like i'm a lawyer right now would you would you say that that people refer to you as the dgp in your in your role that's GPD. that's what the G- GPD, GPD, graduate program director, graduate GPD. program director. So we we here at NC State are um, have different grammar, and we we would refer to you as our DGP, director of graduate programs. Okay. Um. So anyway, uh, in that role, are you uh, are you familiar with uh, with forum posts in in instruction? Because I I'm mm. not taught a lot of classes, so I don't have it. But I but I do know about these things from from an assessment standpoint. You know forum what that is? in what a forum in what sense? Ah, so this is in an online course to get class engagement, especially one that's asynchronous. Um, an instructor might post a prompt and say, "Hey, here's a question for you based on the information that I presented today." In, in this recorded video, I would like you and your colleagues in your in your class to discuss this. And your posts should be at least, um, and th- this is the important part, at least three sentences long and somewhere in between 40 and 50 words, um, something like that. Yeah, the very specifics. Um, okay. And to demonstrate some, you know, th- there's thought. It's not just yes. Like if I text my kid, most of the I could just read you my, the text that I received back from him. They're like, okay, yep, cool, um, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So this this encourages people to, um, you know, to to do uh, y- to be engaged. Um, sure. So so anyway, this professor talked about the rise of Chat GPT. He didn't know what was happening, but all of a sudden, prompts. That he that text you know these these forum prompts that he said I need them to be three sentences long and in between forty and fifty words that it it never happened until every single response was that and so oh that's funny is that funny and then he was like how could this be like I've been teaching this class for a number of years something is different and then he you know, this, this was all happening a couple of months ago, figured it out. He's like, I know what, I know what happened. This is a topic. They're writing their three sentences on this, except they're not. They just throw it into chat GPT and chat GPT makes it sure somewhere between 40 and 50 words. And here's the topic and three sentences long. Um, so anyway, he, this, this faculty member lamented that a little bit, but then what I loved about his talk was he was very much in the same mind as you, as you and I are around this is how can I use this as a tool? How can I right. use this as a learning tool? And <laughs> and so he started asking um, students to utilize ChatGPT and ask ChatGPT questions and point out where they were where where the answers were wrong on the specific topics in his class. And and so he felt like I, he didn't I, he didn't really give it a term, 
but basically that was a way for him to recognize recognize the tool is out there but also use it as a learning like process right like it made the students think about you know here's the topic and then they had to research whether any of this was wrong and so i i thought that was really cool right like i thought that was a, a, a like a neat use of of the of the tool and it it's a tool you know not not unlike google was 20 years ago right or whenever google right. started that that's right. just going to be part of our lives as we go forward whether it's chat gpt yeah. or some other ai yeah it's like it's like it's like google scholar it's like uh, oh that's cheating you know you have to go to the library and look things up by hand like i did no no right. it's a tool right and and we should just embrace that tool as quickly as possible and yeah and i mean honestly if you if you if somebody can write well and so I, i'd give you another example of of uh of chat gpt um i one of my responsibilities is to administer the food science food biology phd um uh qualifying exam which is a written exam and I'm always thankful um, when I put the, the exam together because I get questions from different faculty. I'm always really glad when I do it <clears throat> that I don't have to actually take the exam Yeah, because, cool. because I wouldn't pass. Um, yep. And there was one uh, there was one question from a faculty member. And I'm like, wow, that seems like a pretty easy question. I wonder if I can find the answer on Google. And I tried looking for the answer on Google, putting in the right keywords and all that. And I couldn't get a good answer. I said, you know, let me try chat GPT. And lo and behold, I got a really good answer. Right. So it's like, wow, that's, and of course I, once I got that, that answer, I could go back and check and, and figure out if it was correct or not. And it was, um, but yeah, I mean, what a, what a wonderful, what a wonderful tool. And what does that mean? I mean, well, again, if the student is sitting in an exam, um, you know, hopefully they're not answering it with chat GPT, but if they are, maybe that's not a really good exam, right? Maybe it's, right. it's an exam. We should, give, we should be asking them questions that don't require them to memorize stuff and require them to show us how they think. So, oh my gosh. Yes. So this is something that we're exploring in our department right now. And we have a, a group of faculty that are, that are talking about this exact thing not not as it relates to chat gpt but just the way that we currently do things might be a little bit antiquated and it might not be the best assessment for our graduate students like our our doctoral students and and so we want to think about ways to not just continue down the path of asking you know very i don't know um specific uh questions that that we think you know if, oh if you answer this this demonstrates you understand something um it, but but it's really a regurgitation you know like you you know the, using this theory tell me about this but really to to get into much more broader open questions to assess the the the, the thinking process and and be able to to really have our students think at this at a at kind of a higher I guess, I don't know a higher level than than regurgitation so it's we're I I don't know where I don't know exactly what we're going to land on but I think that what we're what in general what we do in in academia on on this it's all it seems to be all over the place we spent actually a lot of time at this meeting um talking about this with with other institutions but but I I feel like we're not maybe always assessing the right thing with the questions that we're asking so um yeah, it's uh it's a big that's a big one. Oh, I like I like that. And I'm gonna use the 
the chat GPT example uh, as we talk about this. Thank you for that. Cause that's, that's good. Yeah. That's, that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really, it's, it's really an exciting, it's an exciting time to be alive. <laughs> it is. It's an exciting, it's a, yeah. It's a, uh, all right. So I got some stuff for you here. Um, okay. Do, can we, can we start with um, aflatoxin? Can we, can we start? I yeah, mean, we're, start. we're an hour in. I think we've started. Well, but I'm starting and, with my, my next list of things that I'm going to ask you about. Which is, so, which, did you say aflatoxin? Aflatoxin. Afla, aflatoxin. Aflatoxin. Okay. I thought maybe you were doing a bit. No, af, aflac. Is that the same thing? Aflac toxin. That's a, no, it's it's an insurance company. <clears throat> that's, a, that's a different thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so I received a message yesterday. Uh, I'm going to read it um, from uh, an extension agent who who's really really keen and does a good job um, and really connects with uh, with their their community. Um, so they write, I had a call from someone who would like to know if there is a level of aflatoxin on corn that is still safe to use for human consumption, like making cornmeal, etc. He's gotten the information for levels and testing if using the corn for cattle feed, but they're also, they they also use their corn to make cornmeal for themselves, not to go into commerce and was wondering the risks if aflatoxin was present or is present. Um, And so again, the, the follow-up on this was uh, they are going to use the testing method that is recommended for testing if making cattle feed. If they got those numbers, they can can they use that to determine if it's safe for human products like cornmeal? So in you know, an interesting like question. Where how would you how would you approach this this one? Um, I would I would approach this one by Googling FDA action yeah. level aflatoxin human food. <laughs> and, and or I could ask Chat GPT. <clears throat> and so according to the internet. In 1969, FDA set an action level for aflatoxins at 20 parts per billion for all foods, including animal food, based on FDA's analytical capability. Now, I, that's the head. That's the what pops up. Now, what happens when you actually click on that um, might be something different. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, and so, you sent me the action levels for yeah. Yeah. So I I, I found so I I googled and found something similar. Um, and yep. again, th this you know this is the guidance for industry action levels yep. for poisonous or deleterious substances oh, in human. Yeah, there feed we go. Twenty. Food. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. 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 That's and what I was. 20. That's what I was actually looking for when yep. when I found the other thing. So yep. Yeah. So so but here's the like the in you know I guess interesting part right. So we're looking at foods, um, and it's twenty Brazil nuts. It's twenty milk. It's 0.5. These are all parts per billion. And that, yeah. um, and and note that milk for at point five specifically calls out aflatoxin M one, which yeah. is I think the kind that can get in milk. Yep, yep. And and milk being like a staple and something that that is uh, consumed regularly by by children developing minds. That that that's I, I think as I you know dug a little deeper is exactly why and that M one is really. Uh, problematic for for kids 20 for peanuts 20 for p pistachios but then you look at animal feeds and it's really um uh you know so corn and peanut products intended for finishing feedlot beef cattle 300 so it's it's you know there's right. a, there's there's certainly a difference here um well, and and again I, I my my suspicion is that those levels are based on the amount that would then end up in the meat 
because, you know, we don't really care too much about animals as much as we care about people. Right. Um, Although FDA does have regulatory authority there. The issue is like, we're going to, what we really, we don't really care about the animals (laughs) getting cancer. We care about uh, the people getting cancer from eating the animals. I mean, to be very blunt about it. Right. Well, and, and that, that is a much, um, the amount of time this is this particularly is for finishing feedlot the amount of time mm-hmm. at that exposure it, mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. takes some time to develop the cancer mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. you're not getting it from from the first 300 your yep. first 300 yep. parts per billion yep um yep. so so it, like I, I think that that plays into it um yep. as as well but what yep. what was really like interesting to me about this and so so we went back and forth um a little bit on it and um you know, can you know the the, the follow up question was, if he's measuring for his cattle feed needs, can he use that measurement to determine if he wants to use it for human cornmeal? And I was like, I think so, because I assume that if you're measuring it for cattle feed, you're going to like it's going to come to you in 300 parts per billion or less or more, right? Like like it's going to be the same kind of kind of assay. Um, right. right. And, and yeah. my, the only thing I'll add, and it, this is, this is information that is probably somewhere in this defect action level, um, webpage. If you have one batch of, uh, let's say, what was the food or did, did, did he say it's corn, it's corn. That's going to go to corn. corn. Okay. So, yeah. okay. So, so if you had one batch of corn, um, or cornmeal that had 30 PPB and you had another that had zero, you cannot mix them right. to get 15, yes. right? Yes. So you basically have to take the one that's 30 and you have to throw that away or use it for something that's not human feed and the one that's zero, you can use that. So you can't you can't blend bad product in to get up to that defect action level, which you know is was to me like, I don't know, it, was, it kind of blew my mind when I read that. Like, yeah, because it, it seemed like you would be able to do that, but obviously the agency has to, and, and again, I'm not advocating for doing it. I'm just, it just... I'm, it just sort of blew my mind that the the numbers didn't c- kind of work in the way that numbers usually work. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, right? let's let, let, yeah, let's make some let, let's figure out how to make some means here. And yeah, right. um, so yeah, so anyway, what the the thing that it kind of aired on, like I was this one, this is one of those ones that like I'm not a toxicologist. Um, it made me a little bit like, what's happening here? Like, if it if you know what in my mind it was, if this is not good for my for animals can i still eat it right like because i I got the sense from these questions that the feed is something that's going into commerce right so there's a regulatory action but if i just took that same corn and ate it myself what's the risk right and so so i kind of went back and forth a little bit on this and i was like you know what any detectable level of aflatoxin is going to pose a risk the 20 parts per billion is the actionable you know legal limit if it's in commerce. And I think you want to explain that to the person who's asking this question. Like that was my, my message to the, um, to the extension agents. Like, you know, just because this could be sold doesn't mean it's zero risk, right? Like there's no food, zero risk. Right. Have you, I'm not sure if you've heard that. It's one of the things that we've talked about on this show. Uh, but, 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 but I also think that this is a good opportunity for this extension agent to have that conversation, right? Like you, know, th- this it, it's, it, it, you know, the, these two things are not this, it's not the same, 
Um, so making sure that, you know, that, that, the, the, the agent took the time to, to be able to, you know, say, look, you know, if it's, if it's there, if it's detectable at all, it's probably not a good thing. And yes, it's below the legal limit or whatever, but, but if you just ate cornmeal, you know, three times a day for the next five months, that, that also changes things in your risk because I'm sure that like 20 parts per billion in food is based on not eating 20 parts per billion at every meal, right? Like over the course right. of a year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And and it, it's also, as FDA writes, uh, they're based on the unavoidability of the poisonous or deleterious substance. They don't represent permissible levels of contamination if it's avoidable, yeah. right? It's just like, we just know, again, same thing for like rodent, rodent hairs and peanut butter and stuff like that. So yeah. Hey, so your your audio is is breaking up a bit. So oh. I don't know if there's anything you can do at this point. Mm, probably not. Um the, you know what okay. I can do, Don, is turn off all of the things that are syncing on my on my computer. Let me do that. Also, oh, I know what it is. That should that should make a playing a video game. Okay. No, no. I got I'm on the I you know, you know, Don, some sometimes uh people set things up on your computer and you don't have a lot of control over it. Mm. Uh, and that is one of the things, uh, you know, I don't know if you need to do this, but I don't need to back up every file on my computer once an hour um, into a cloud that is separate from how I do that already with iCloud and with Dropbox. But a third thing that I don't have any control over called crash plan. So anyway, I oh, this that. is something your university makes you do. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, because because you wouldn't want to lose you don't want to lose your files, but but also I nope, I'd, I'd, and you certainly wouldn't want to trust something like uh, Time Machine or Dropbox. Yeah. No, nope. must or, much better to to trust some application that uh, IT makes you put on your computer that doesn't work as well as either of the other solutions that you've already implemented. Yep, and once it just doesn't I, work as well for IT. Doesn't work as well for them. Yeah, they, they they're really good at restoring from this. Also, right. Um, I I need to remember every day, like a like a habit, to pause Crash Plan for twenty four hours because I can't pause it forever, Don. Because that would be a mistake, right? Why would, why would that be an option? Is my audio better <laughs> now? Somewhat. Um, it's still it's it's it, it maybe it's getting better. Yeah, yeah. The good news is I'm recording it all on my end, so I sound good. And you should be fine. Good. Should be yeah. fine. Should be fine. Um. <clears throat> so next thing I was going to ask you about. Um. I, oh, so be- this- before oh, you yeah. do that, before you do that, I just want to explain. So we are recording this again. We're 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 violating our, our our airtight opsec rules all over the place. People now know the day we're recording. Um. They're they're going to about to know the time. Um. But also, we you did share with me that you were about to get before we started. You were going to get a beverage. You were going to get some water, I believe. Yeah. Um, which inspired me to get some water. Um, but this <laughs> podcast, Ben, because it is taking place, um, in the late day, um, on a Wednesday, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to transition. So my first beverage, Ben. Well, my first beverage oh. of the day was coffee. Uh, oh, but I I'm, like I've, it. I had a I had a, I had a cup of tea. I've almost finished my fizzy water. But, you know, I am drinking my fizzy water out of a, a glass that is not designed for fizzy water. <laughs> wow. a glass that is designed for wine. 
And oh. so uh, I want to I want to uh, drop a marker right here to show that uh, this is the point in the podcast where I'm about to have a, a small bit of wine. Small bit of wine. Uh, as uh, Don, I mean, this is it's kind of perfect because not only is it five o'clock somewhere, it's five o'clock where you are. And it's five o'clock where I am too. I, I won't be uh, um, I, I getting getting some wine, but I appreciate that uh, they that you that you are. I uh, I'm still working on my fizzy water right now. Um, hey, so one of our like I don't know if it's an evergreen topic, but it's certainly something we've talked about a bunch is people getting sick from flour. And uh, mm. uh, Don, I don't know if you know this, but people are still getting sick from flour and getting sick again from flour. But this time it's not um, non-0157 E. coli. It's it's salmonella. Have you are you familiar with this? Have you seen this? I I am not. But while I was lurk- looking for the uh, wonderful um, uh, uh, foods will replace forks will replace food tweet from Merlin Mann, I did see another very humorous post um, where he he captioned a headline which looked like some bacterial cells, and the headline said something about. Uh, something something flower recall and he, he made a humorous comment um remarking on the bacterial cells saying i'm really glad that flower does not look like this yeah <laughs> bacterial cells so anyway I'll, I'll see if i can find that tweet as well it's it's hard twitter's it's hard to use twitter ben but uh Sometimes, yes so yeah. yeah so i i i i'm not aware of this well let me outbreak let me... uh i thought there was probably something going on from merlin's humorous tweet um but uh yes please tell me more yeah, so I mean, going it goes back to um, uh, March where there was like salmonella that was found. Like uh, CDC announced a salmonella break, but no, no specific food, no cause. Mm. Yeah, and then uh, last week it it kind of broke in two places while we were at um, the conference for food protection. Uh, sort of one was um, that uh, FDA announced um, shared, I guess. Uh, that mm-hmm. General Mills had issued a, a nationwide recall of a whole bunch of different flowers, unbleached and all-purpose flowers. I would say the common ones that we have in my house right now, but uh, but I'm, I want to come back to one of the issues that we have with flower. Um, well, multiple issues that we have with flower. Um, I, I would say that this is a common bag that we bring into our house. I do not have any of these bags because that's not what I do. We co-mingle previous bags of flour in a flower canister that has that's airtight um to because we don't use a lot of flour and uh so i can't tell you what whether um when what the use by dates are the flower that i have in my house right mm-hmm. now um i can't tell you whether it's gold metal brand my guess is it is but it could have been sometimes we we grab store brand stuff too mm-hmm. um so but anyway um, on April 28th, General Mills voluntarily issued a nationwide recall of two pound, five pound, and 10 pound bags of gold metal bleached and unbleached all purpose flour with a better, if used by date, which is an interesting one, uh, of March 27th, uh, 2024, and March 28th, 2024. The recalled products include the following packages and they'll use UPCs. So, but uh, 13 illnesses, three hospitalizations uh spans 10 uh 12 states um the timeline for illnesses i think is again quite quite an interesting one um first illness popped up uh 6th of december and then it's just like hmm. a low a low hum yep. of el- yep. illnesses you just one one every 
couple of days, couple of couple of days in a row, yep. um, right up until uh, uh, May May first. Uh, sorry, March first, not May first. March first, yeah. yeah. And and I, I suspect sometimes CDC will put on these outbreak timelines um, data in this range, not yet known or something right to imply that this numbers are still coming in um and i a couple of observations here because i've I've done a a bunch of thinking about about this and and about and about flower and outbreaks so it looks like to my eye that the the cases are getting farther apart um which may or may not be true um but it certainly is consistent with what we know about uh, salmonella survival in flower it it dies slowly over time um also I think it's super interesting that the uh, better if used by date is a year in the future, right? Uh, even more than a year from when the people were consuming it, which is consistent with. I really, I really think that these these flower outbreaks, it's a big slug of contamination that that hits, and then and then what happens is that the the flower just gradually gets safer over time as the salmonella die in the flower. Yep. And yep. and this is all, this all comports with that, right? Like I, um, yes, of course. I mean, now it's, we've disturbed the system. We're doing a recall. Um, but even product that is still sitting in the marketplace in 2024, uh, I suspect it's going to be again, not no, again, like our earlier conversation, not no risk, but much lower, lower risk because of the gradual inactivation of the organism. Yeah. Um, the, so um, I think interesting on on this one, uh, if you look at the um, investigation details, I'll read from from CDC's post. State and local public health officials are interviewing people about the foods they ate in the week before they got sick. Of the eight people interviewed, seven reported eating raw dough or batter. Mm-hmm. Six uh, sick people with brand information of six sick people with brand information, all six 100% reported buying gold medal brand flower the only brand reported was gold medal like seems kind of like a bit of a home run right like in in linking um illnesses uh from an epidemiological standpoint it's a lot of you know it's it's still a small number of of the illnesses but everybody who they have information from it's this but here's the thing like that um i I just don't know how to get like i was thinking about this as i was driving home because i knew i wanted to talk to you about this today you know majority of people here, seven, 88% reported eating raw dough or batter, you know, and I assume that this is raw dough or batter that, that either they made, um, you know, uh, you know, cookie dough or cake batter, um, from, from that flour. Um, I don't know how we break this. Like, like it is, it's different from eating an undercooked hamburger because like raw, cookie dough and cake batter is so like damn tasty right like in and it's it's part of the it's part of the process that that many were like many of us i would you know i would assume you and you and i are both in the same situation where we never thought about illnesses of associated with flour raw cookie dough or raw raw batter it's part of the it's part of the event especially for a kid who if if a parent is making you know, cookies or, or, or batter that they're going to like lick the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the stuff. And, and I, I'm just like, I know, I, the, the, I know that we could continue to do education and communication around don't eat this stuff. 
I don't know if we'll get any, like, I just don't know if it'll work. I don't know. Like I, I, yeah. Yeah, Well, I I can tell you, I can tell a couple of different things that are, that are going to happen. Right. So first of all, I do want to say, I got uh, an email message just the other day, probably in response to this outbreak, which apparently I should have been paying attention to um, from uh, our friend and colleague, Carla Schwann um, at the university of Georgia, because she had come across my paper uh, with my colleague, Jin Jung entitled thermal inactivation of salmonella enterica and um, non-pathogenic bacterial surrogates in wheat flour by baking in a household oven. And yes. I was prompted to do this uh, because of a YouTube video that said, hey, you can eat raw dough if you just do this. And, and I said, that seems like BS to me. Let's do some research. And turns out, no, actually, um, yeah, if you, you can put flour in a hot oven and you can bake it. Um, uh, and, and it will inactivate the salmonella. And so, uh, we did that. And then I I can also say, I've been talking with, um, several big, uh, grain companies over the years about risk assessment and managing risk. And they're, they've got their eye on the ball, right. And they're looking for what are the interventions that we can do. Um, so I think that the, the industry, I, my perspective is the industry has been, um, quite reactive to this. And, and I mean, in a good way, like they're, they're yeah. trying to solve the problem and it's not an easy problem to solve, but I think educating people about the dangers of raw dough is important, giving them things that they can do to make the flour in their house safer if they want to use it, if they want to eat it as raw dough. And then the industry themselves working to figure out what to do um, to, to make it safer. So again, it, nothing happens overnight. It takes time. It takes resources. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that the outbreak has happened. I'm sorry that people are getting sick, but uh, I'm confident. I'm hopeful that we will continue to uh, work on this problem and we'll, we'll, we'll get it, we'll get it licked eventually. And then, and then it'll be something else that makes us sick. We'll get it licked eventually. Excellent. Good job. Good job with that. Um, as in looking, I didn't, I didn't yeah. that was that pun not intended, not intended, but so yeah, I mean the heat treatment of flour, for, I think it works really, really well for cookies. I think it works not very well for someone who's baking a cake, right? Like, and as right. I think you, 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 the, that, that is, that's the technology that we need, right? We need heat treated, um, all purpose or, you know, um, you know, cake flour that will allow that cake to have volume. And and hmm. rise through the through the baking. Oh yeah, process. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm just cookies. No problem about safety. Yeah. I'm not talking about about functionality, right? And yeah. so yeah, and of course, you know, figuring out a solution that will en- enable us to have the for the flour to have the functional properties it needs to have for baking purposes. You know, and maybe maybe it comes down to well, here's what you do: is you take this flour and you make it and you bake it. You take this other. If you want that raw flour treat, here's some other flour that you take and you heat it. In and you add into your raw feet that's the thing that you need right which i mean it's going to be hard to do that and again even but even the even that product if you make it with raw eggs well that's what you know you should say don't eat raw dough because of eggs um that's not necessarily a problem it could even be it could even be the the flour itself um but yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge, right? I mean, it's a, it's a challenge for food microbiologists, it's a challenge for communicators, it's a challenge for the industry, it's a challenge for food technologists who need to have this stuff have the desirable, you know, functional properties. Yeah, and this one where the the risky food tastes really good, right? <laughs> like, like, like the thing that makes that I think that's part of the part of the challenge. Like, I I really like I I get your I get your your thought on. 
um, you know, make sort of, you know, two, two separate things. If you're going to, if you're going to lick the cake batter, you know, lick this one, make but, one that's specific but who, for, I just, but who's going to, yeah. who's going to do that? That's no one's going to do it. You know, that's, yeah. that's well, very few people. Yeah. Yeah. Very few people are going to do yeah. it. And, and that's like that, that's what strikes me about these flower related illnesses over and over again is it's the, the like, I, and you see it like you can you can find the memes and people have talked about this. People have stopped me when we talk, not stop me on the on the street. But when I talk about food safety things, people in my life are like, yeah, but I'm never going to stop eating like un like uh, uh, um flour that you know, not un, like un, uncooked flour, but I'm never going to stop eating cookie dough. I'm never going to stop eating like licking the cake batter like like this. is It's too I'll take my chances with salmonella. Right. And that, that's a hard, like, that's a really hard one to, to deal with. And that, um, and it's such a historic un unrecognized risk and in, in illness. Cause I wouldn't say that there were no illnesses. I think we probably had these like low hum of salmonella oh. and non-pathogenic E. coli all the time from this. Right. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's only thanks to whole genome sequencing and, you know, really, you know, boots on the ground epidemiologists who've sorted this stuff out. And here's the thing, like once you, once you find a particular food linked to a particular pathogen, and we've talked about this before, now it goes on every epidemiologist checklist, yep. right? To say, oh, you got salmonella. Here's a list of foods that we've at, we're going to ask you. And now a new food, raw dough, right? And, yep. And, yep. Then, and then, and then, and then it starts to show up. Um, and it's probably always been there. I don't think suddenly the flower supply got a lot riskier. I think it's just, we have, we have better, we have better science to, to link these isolates, right. To know that they're part of the same outbreak. And then we go in and we ask people questions and lo and behold, eventually we figure it out. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I, the, I don't know. I feel like very helpless in this one for, for whatever reason. Like I, you know, I usually like to come at these like, Oh, here's maybe some novel communication that we've done before. Um, and I just, I just don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to switch. I want to switch gear here. Still sure. salmonella, but I want to talk about salmonella and melons. Um, and, okay. uh, I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, I'm going to send you a link. Uh, you know, I, one, one thing Don, that I've really loved, um, over, the last couple of years that I've been doing administration is that there, there are times during my like week where there's like a gap of, of like, I don't know, a gap of things that I need to focus on where I can read some food safety things. And I've like, I, I, I've been, I enjoy reading about past outbreaks and, and these, these reports and it gets my mind going in a different way. So, so anyway, uh, FDA uh, last week, again, while we were, I think deliberating an issue um, at Conference for Food Protection released an outbreak investigation report, um, and it was entitled "Factors Potentially Contributing to the Contamination of Cantaloupe Implicated in the Outbreak of Salmonella Typhimurium During the Summer of 2022." And why, Don, do you think that the um, that the title is written that way? Factors potentially contributing to the contamination of cantaloupe. Because we don't know. Yeah. And there was no like smoking gun. And in fact, I'll, I'll, you know, I don't know if you've, if you've read too much into this or, or seen the coverage of it, the outbreak strain was not recovered in the environmental sampling at three different sites that they think might've been linked to the outbreak. But, but there were other salmonellas that were found, which is not surprising. 
Um, so uh, just to give you the the facts and details on this outbreak, 87 illnesses, 32 hospitalizations, a particularly high hospitalization rate for typhimerium compared to others. So a particularly virulent strain. Um, the illnesses uh, happened over the course of the summer of uh, 2022. Last illness onset was September 11th. Uh, il- uh, uh, traceback inf- uh, um, in- investigation uh, led FDA to go to three Indiana farms. Um, and I'll just read the this. Um, I, I think that this was really like the 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 non smoking gun, the gun without smoke. Um, as a result of the traceback, FDA conducted investigations in Indiana at all three farms, their common packing house, and nearby public lands. Salmonella positive environmental samples were found at each location, but none resulting. None of the resulting salmonella isolates conclusively matched the outbreak strain by whole genome sequencing. No cantaloupes were recalled and no public warning was issued due to the implicated products no longer being on the market. And I I think we talked about that um, back in the late fall um, because the, you know, it it took a while for the epidemiology to shake out uh, cantaloupes uh, being, being linked. But so, you know, FDA. Oh yeah, go ahead. Well, so, you know, this is interesting, Ben, because you and I were both recently at a conference Mm. um, where we talked about food safety. And thank goodness that everybody knows that melons are a food that need time temperature control for safety, because (laughs) as it says right in the code, Ben, time temperature control for safety foods include an animal food that is raw or heat treated, a plant food that is heat treated or consists of raw seed sprouts, cut melons, cut leafy greens, cut tomatoes, or mixtures of cut tomatoes that are not modified in a way so that they're not unable to support pathogenic microorganisms, growth or toxin formation, or garlic and oil mixtures that are not modified in a way so they're unable to support pathogenic microorganisms, growth or toxin formation. Um, it's right there in the definition that it's cut melons. So thank it's- goodness. Um, thank goodness it wasn't one of those other foods that are not in that list. Not on that list. Cause what would we do? What would we do, Don? What would we yeah. do? I think we just have to wait. We're going to have to wait. We're going to, we should form a committee. Wait for Wait for a committee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, um, so uh, I, I, I volunteered to be on the committee. Good. I'm, I've, I have I'm, not, I've, I will be volunteering. I've volunteered to, be on to the committee. I volunteered to chair the committee. So. Good. Good. I, I, fantastic. That's going to be, that's going to be time in my life. I'll never get back, but that's I'm okay. on I want to be on that committee badly. Um, so I I want to, you know, FDA is taking a beating out there uh, in, in some public sca- landscapes, um, sometimes even at CFP, sometimes at, at my hand. Um, and so I, I don't want to, I don't want to like, um, I, I want to highlight that FDA's uh, trend over the last decade of doing really in-depth investigative reports is is great this is a Mm -hmm. phenomenal report like all of the things that i would want to ask when did you go out what did you find where would you where were you looking what kind of analysis it's all here this is right right really 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 good and it and it really instills a lot of like confidence and trust in, in fda's investigative work to me right like this is this is something I would sit and listen to a presentation about this investigation because I'm sure that there's really cool stuff that's not even in here about pictures and right. things that they found. 
But the thing that I, I want to highlight really specifically is that this is FDA is getting way better at um, their summaries of what they find and what the recommendations are and what the rest of the industry should do and how to learn from this. So I'm going to read a couple of those. Um, just so, uh, so they write the investigation did not result in the identification of a specific microbial source or root that resulted in the contamination of cantaloupes associated with this outbreak. However, the agency identified salmonella in on-farm post-harvest and off-farm environments. Aspects of the growing, harvesting, and packing operations, which could have resulted in salmonella contamination associated with the implicated melons, include they found um, a common contamination sources of salmonella. So matching salmonella Newport isolates were recovered from farm two and three and the melons in post-harvest packing entity within this investigation. Um, and this one's really, really interesting because the isolates were genetically related to clinical sam samples associated with a totally different outbreak, 2020 outbreak. So the, the FDA, you know, to me, the like reading between the lines on this is that there's some environmental source of this, you know, particularly in this geographic area of, of Indiana and the salmonella keeps getting into the food supply, um, you know, strains. And I think that 2020 outbreak were cut melons. So going back to the call out that you had, um, mm -hmm. so there's common, common sources. We gotta, we gotta think about it off season land use. This is the first time that I've seen something like this in an FDA report that I remind that I'm, I think about. Mm -hmm. So as all farmland associated with this outbreak was not under consistent management or control by cantaloupe growers, investigators were unable to completely determine and evaluate the complete profile of land use hazards. However, evidence suggests that cantaloupe farms did not routinely monitor for the potential of food safety hazards during non-cantaloupe growing seasons, such as the applications of untreated turkey manure to land for the production of cantaloupe. Of note, whole genome sequence and analysis revealed that salmonella isolates collected from all farms and associated packing houses were genetically related to both multi-state outbreaks of salmonella associated uh, salmonellosis associated with melons as well as poultry related isolates supporting the hypothesis that the outputs from poultry operations may have contributed to these human illness outbreaks of salmonellosis i think that was really good um i'm not going to read all of them but I, I want to highlight one more here. Written SOPs for cleaning and sanitation were inconsistent with the practices reported by responsible individuals at the packing house. Mm. Huh. Surprised by that, Don? Mm. Not really. So what you're saying, Ben, is what they said they were doing was not what they were doing. Mm. Yep. Um, additionally, <laughs> additionally, investigational findings revealed that a final step involved the use of a cleaner labeled for aiding the washing of fresh produce with or without an antimicrobial was used on food contact surfaces, contrary to the constructions on the label. So not only that, mm. what they're doing, they weren't doing what they said they were doing, but they're also doing things with compounds that they weren't supposed to be doing. It wasn't labeled, you know, it wasn't as per label instructions. Um, ben, if there's one thing I learned from sitting in on <laughs> many, many, many meetings of the disinfectants committee, which mm -hmm. presented their findings last week at the conference for food protection is that 
use of a product inconsistent with the EPA label is a violation of federal law. <laughs> so you should do what it says on the EPA label. Follow the EPA label. Um, so I, here, here's my big takeaway. Page 11 mm-hmm. in this report um, is something that, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to be too soapboxy here, but every melon producer in the United States, because that's where we live right now, mm-hmm. should and, and probably every melon producer outside the United States who is growing mm-hmm. melons for fresh market um, should read this. They should see these are the recommendations based on this outbreak. Look at your current practices to determine whether they're adequate. Okay, that's a little bit general. But there are some really good ones here. Understanding previous land use can help farms identify and address potential sources of pathogens. Poultry manure. They explicitly call out valued for its fertilizer value. It's a known reservoir for salmonella. You should have the proper application manure. Um, inspect. Ben, you know what they need to do? Mm. Tell me, they tell me. Need to, they need to get their they need to get their poultry manure from your house. Yes, because I got no salmonella in my poultry manure. Now, here's the thing, or I didn't uh, three years ago. It didn't uh, yeah yeah. Uh, here's the thing, Don. I'm not making very much poultry manure. Probably. <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh it's, no. Okay. All right. Well, it, scratch that. I'm just an idea no. guy. No, no, no. You're good. It, let me let me just tell you. Just like craft brewery or. Um, you know, uh, on-site roasting of, of coffee, uh, we'll just call this artisanal poultry manure that I have that's available for your manure, <laughs> the, your melon uses. Yeah, needs. Um, so anyway, they they like they also call out when appropriate, use EPA approved products according to the label for cleaning and sanitizing. Like these are not hard things to follow, but but I but going out, you know, time and time again, when outbreaks happen. Dawn, people usually are not doing the things that are would be considered best practices in the industry. But I really like is that FDA put like in very, very clear yep. terms, almost yep. like Chad GPT yep. wrote it. it. You know, yep. here are some great <laughs> recommendations. <laughs> so I, you know, I love this. Like this is yeah, I am not an extension person that works with melon producers. If I was. I'd read this report and I would send it to all of them and I'd say, Hey, mm-hmm. what you really need to do is go look at um, page 10 and page 11. You know, yep. th- this is yep. the most important part for you. So. Um, and I, lo- can I tell you, yeah. can I tell you what the most important part for me is? Tell, tell me. I, I, I skipped over all those pages with words. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> because, like the, you like the pictures. I like, I like pictures. And um, I have to say, uh, shout out to uh to page 14 and 15. Yeah. Um because those are the pages with the pictures, Ben. Yeah. Um good pictures. That's the technical technical appendix. And figure one is the relationships between salmonella isolates collected as part of this investigation, blue and isolates from the NCBI pathogen database. And also figure two, which is a spatial distribution of cantaloupe farms cattle farm locations in Southwest Indiana during four cause inspections of 2023 farms, one through three also depicted on that map are poultry operations uh, depicted by stars. And then also kind of weirdly, but relatedly uh, 2020 soil sample, which also matches. So it's really, it's really a nice, a nice bit of detective work here again, and you know one question I have, and it's not a question that I can answer, and it's I'm pretty sure it's not a question that you can answer, is the in in Figure One uh, we have uh, 
A, which is the Salmonella typhimurium from farm one, and B is the Salmonella Newport from farms two and three in the packing house. And they indicate <clears throat> the max differences. Um, and they have numbers like 25, um, yeah. and which I think is what we commonly call SNPs or single yep. nucleotide yep. polymorphisms. My question, Ben, and I don't know if anybody knows this answer, but how quickly does salmonella accumulate snips right like yeah like yeah i i i mean i i just don't know i mean i, I hopefully that's an articulate <clears throat> enough question um, oh i yeah absolutely like and can we can we can we do, do we have any idea what the time frame for and again i'm sure it depends upon the environment the salmonella is in it probably depends upon the the specifics of that strain and how amenable it is to, I mean, there might, might be aspects of the strain that make it more or less amenable to, to accumulating snips, but yeah, I don't know. Well, and, and that, you know, that, that's a question for the, for an evolutionary biologist, right? I think, right. Mm, Just, right. Exactly. Yeah. But this, I, I think or this chat brings, GPT <laughs> or chat GPT. Yeah. Um, the, the, but that, how how genetically related is related right like max difference right. is 24 25 is how yeah what what are, and and is this different this is something that i'm i'm learning um as we look at this how different is like is max 24 differences genetically related for salmonella typhimurium is would that be really closely genetically related if it was other pathogens like listeria or pathogenic e coli Right. Oh, I, uh, no, I'm sure not. Right. It's different. Right. Like, and so, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, I just, I loved, I hate. So let me, let me go back. Uh, I, from a very much public health and compassionate standpoint, I hate that there's 87 illnesses and 32 hospitalizations. I, mm -hmm. I, I love the thoroughness that FDA put into this uh, investigation and in that, the what you know and 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 their recommendations um i i i want to make one um suggestion to fda and, and don mm -hmm. this is going to sound like i don't know maybe maybe a little too touchy-feely for you um mm -hmm. do you know who wrote this don like who wrote this report um anonymous yeah, because it's FDA. Yeah. And I know that there's yeah. really, really good people at FDA that wrote this report that should be recognized. And CDC doesn't do this. They don't <laughs> write like, you know, they, 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 in, you know, in their outbreak investigations, they might not have someone's name, but when the report comes out and it's an MMWR, they've got a bunch of names. They got a, you know, oh, they got, they got so many names, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so we, I know we've got some and, some fans at, at, at FDA. Um, and probably we have some people who are not fans at FDA uh <laughs> well, screw them. yeah but i i just i just wish we would recognize people for the yeah. for this great work yeah no and and that's and that's a corporate culture thing because yep. these two agencies are part of well these two entities are part of the same agency they're part of hhs right yep, yep. so if cdc can do it and fda doesn't do it that means that there is something yeah within the yeah, within the the corporate culture or the the culture at FDA. So I did speak to my to my SNP question. I did find an article that indicates that an outbreak of Salmonella agona infections among infants indicated that the outbreak isolates clustered within a maximum distance of twenty six SNPs. Right. 
And that's, but then also that the salmonella mutation rate is about uh, 0.44 SNPs per genome per year um, uh, or one SNP per genome per year uh, for some other, oh, for, for a different, different salmonella. So, so they, they do change slowly, but again, apparently you can have an outbreak caused by organisms that are as, as different as 26 SNPs from each other. So that's hey, interesting. Yeah. You can have an outbreak uh, uh, caused by two different organisms, <laughs> two different stereotypes. <laughs> well, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you can. When a things lot of are snaps. really bad. See, uh, see, see Jensen Farms uh, cantaloupe. Uh, outbreak. Exactly. Yes. Well, but, but I even think like this, this outbreak even highlights it perfectly, right? Didn't find the outbreak investigation, but found, or didn't right. find the outbreaks. Right. right. Found out. But yep. gosh, yep. found yep. a whole bunch of others out there that were linked to a whole bunch of other yep. outbreaks all in the same spot or other illnesses. Yeah. So really, really, really interesting um, stuff. And, and yeah, so tough, tough one again, right? Like, I mean, what, what do we, what do we do? It's hard to move your farm, right? And if you happen to be near a poultry yep. production, um, it's, it, you know, it's like telling people to stop eating cookie dough. You can't just be like, Hey, I need to kind of take this exact land and then move it. I don't know, maybe 30 miles away from here. So we're not getting as much. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe you move. could just move your poultry farm uh, away from me. Could you do that poultry farm? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Like it's that none of that's, that's not practical. It's not really going to happen. Um, huh. Um, what, what else? I, I just want to, want to hit you up with, mm -hmm. I've got a, I have a hard out in 10 minutes. Um, mm. Were there other things? I can't believe we've been talking. We've, we've been talking for like almost two hours. Um, two hours. Yeah. No, I think that's a show. I mean, I think it's honestly. a show. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. This is uh, um, those are all the things that I had on my list. We, we touched, we touched all the bases as they say in, uh, in when you hit a home run in, in baseball and sports ball, <laughs> touch them all, touch them all, Joe. That's a, uh, that's a, that's a thing that people say. <laughs> is that what they say they say that to a guy named joe usually so neither of us are named joe but i feel like we've touched all touched all the joe's bases on this oh one. joe Namath, he's a famous sports ball player right? yeah, i know him yeah he did good different did sports good, but different yeah touch i don't uh, he made a he made a he made a commercial where he wore pantyhose i think <laughs> did i think if we said touch them all joe that might get make, make a joe that might. canceled someone's canceled yeah <laughs> yeah uh all right. Um, well, we awkwardly always say bye. So bye. 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 <laughs>
Link to Joe Namath's iconic pantyhose commercial. Perfect. Why wouldn't you? Well, that's we need it. We need it. I took no like uh, title notes in that episode, but I oh, know I, I got I got I got a, I got a bunch. Yeah, good because I know we both said a bunch of funny I, things. <laughs> I I yeah I I yeah I I would I, the last two I I would put in a vote for get it licked eventually or arsenal arsenal <laughs> poultry manure. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna have to figure out what the best picture is. <laughs> also, arsenal, poultry maneuver, that one too. Arsenal, arsenal. Oh, so good. All right, good. They're they're good. A, they're a, they're a, they're a, another sports ball team. Yeah, yeah. That's the those are the the uh, artisanal poultry manures from. Uh, you can find them from in uh, in Philadelphia, I think. Um. Okay. Today is the third. Oh my gosh, Don. Things get really good. I'm I'm at a conference here in Raleigh the week of the 16th. Um, I'm gonna right. go to a bunch of stuff. The only thing that is absolutely in my my uh, calendar is I'm giving an invited lecture, the Semen A Nap lecture at the Triple A E conference. Mm-hmm. Yep, I don't know. I'm, I will learn. A-E. Yep, Triple A E, the American Association for Agricultural Extension. Okay. It's my, new, it's my new peeps. So semen nap. Semen nap. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I go there. oh gosh. Um so I could um I I could do Wednesday the 17th really good. Um, uh yes i can do any time in the afternoon yeah anytime in the afternoon is good i might not go to the conference that day so i okay. yeah that that's really good so you, you, you tell me what time well, let's oh, 2, let, 2 p.m yeah let's aim for 2 p.m and if i need to change if all of a sudden there's something exciting at the triple uh, ae then i will uh I'll, I'll let you know um but yeah that's perfect right. and what i'll do is i'll reserve maybe two to five yep done just just so we have some flexibility there that works. And we all of our after school things are done now and all of like my my life gets easier. So um, well, I'm yeah. I'm just relieved that I finally scheduled my my flight to Japan, which was really bugging me. I needed to do it. I had to bite the bullet and deal with our annoying university website that we have to use for all travel now, but of course. Anyway, so I'm uh, now that I know when oh. exactly when I'm going to be in Japan in June that my life is uh, my life is copacetic. Do you have to book through a specific website or do you yep. have to? Yep. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Please do not. Can, yep. um, uh, uh, NC Don't State, tell anybody. Yeah. yeah. NC State administrators, no. please do not. No, please do not do that. Oh, no, it's bad. I love it's bad, I love my but... Delta. I love my 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 Delta dot com thing. But like, I like all the things, it, you know, it th- this website is powered by SAP, which apparently, according is to all good? the advertisements that I see in airports is good. It's yeah. it's an ugly, ugly website, but it mostly works. And actually, one nice benefit was it says, hey, would you like to book a hotel? And by the way, you have to book a hotel through us unless it's a conference hotel. And the, this conference doesn't have a conference hotel. And I'm like, 
oh, yes, I will put in the address of this place in Japan. And it understood where it was in Japan. And it gave me some hotel choices. And huh. it says, these are allowed. And this one's not allowed because it's too expensive. And so if you choose this one, you're gonna, we're going to have to know why. It's like, okay, well, That's actually not I'm not going to pick the yeah. cheapest one. I'm not yeah. going to pick the next cheapest one. I'm going to pick the next cheapest one, which is also close to the venue. And you will allow that. So, And that's good. So that's easy. SAP. Yeah. So, huh. so yeah, so it wasn't, wasn't horrible, and but I mean, it's a pain in the ass because now I had to book Kristen's flight separately um, because there apparently is a way to do a spouse thing, but I couldn't find the directions. So anyway, so yeah. now that we're on separate numbers, separate reservation but, numbers, but it, we're, we're on the same flights. So yeah. it's all good. And you could probably get move moving on that flight if you really need to be beside each other. You know what I mean? Like, oh no, we're yeah. done. We're locked. We're, we're locked and loaded. We are we're and loaded. next to each other. Um, oh, good. Good. Uh, Just different where we're not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing, you know, one thing we didn't talk about today, which was in my mm. list, but, but I skipped over it is that, uh, our good friend, uh, Gordon Lightfoot died, uh, Canadian. All- superstar. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And we talk about him so much. We do. We do. So we'll, we'll put it, we'll put it, in, we'll put it in the, yeah, it's an after show and here I'm, I'm sending you a link. The, it was a very, uh, I read a really great, um, New York times article today about this. Oh, uh, yeah, it's nice. very nice. You'll we'll, enjoy. We'll you'll enjoy that. this one. Yeah, I, I saw. I, I saw a lot of. Uh, I saw a lot of really nice stuff on TikTok. Um, yeah, that's how I learned about it actually, and I saw a lot of really nice stuff. People doing songs in the style of Gordon Lightfoot, and yeah, great stuff. I read. Um, I read a book from one of my favorite authors named Dave Bedini, who is in this band called the Rio Statics. Um, and oh, he yeah. wrote. Yeah, he wrote a book. Uh, yeah, because they covered um the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald mm. he wrote a book because he's also an author about like uh, he did not interview Gordon Lightfoot but but wrote kind of like a book about Gordon Lightfoot in in, in his rise in I think it was like 1971 1972 in Canada he was he was the biggest thing in Canada and there was a big festival in Barrie called Mariposa um, that my mom went to, um, cause she told me all about this, but anyway, he kind of wrote a book about like Gordon Lightfoot in the middle of Canada's pop culture, like awakening. And, and there was some like fictitious, not fictitious, but like I'm, I'm imagining what Gordon Lightfoot would have been going through. Yeah. And, and yeah. apparently, um, I'll have to find the Instagram post and send it to you based the paraphrase. It was, um, Gordon Lightfoot would never talk to me about this. Apparently hated the book but also carried it around <laughs> with him and pointed out to many people where it was wrong. And he said, where it was wrong. Not, where it was wrong. And he said, I could not have had a better, like, uh, like a more perfect. That's perfect. Thing, yes. Right. Like, like this is, this is not this, none of this happened. And I want to show you where it didn't happen. Um, and so anyway, I thought, I thought that was really, really great. And, and Dave, we'll, we'll link to this. Dave Bedini um, now publishes, uh, a, a, a newspaper a local newspaper like he's bringing print back called the west end phoenix and they have a great website i read read it you know on like i read the website you know when it's when it's updated on the on the weekly basis but i i have not pulled the like i i, I want to subscribe to it but also i don't want a newspaper like i want to subscribe to it yeah i, yeah, I would yeah. pay him for an electric electric an electronic right. version also or, is or he, an electric version either one or an electric version but that is like here's the thing this is the exact thing that he doesn't want right he doesn't want right right yeah yeah so, yeah. so um so so anyway um i've interacted with dave a, a bunch of times on the internet 
Um, and uh, I love what he like. I just love the journalism that he's doing and supporting. And it's really it's it's like I want more of this kind of stuff. But also, I don't want him to send me a newspaper like one you know once a week to you know internationally because I I won't read the newspaper. I want it electric electronically electrically. So, so anyway. you know, speak, speaking of that, we have like one minute left and you have to leave, but I, so I, I support, um, uh, the artist that did the uh, risky or not Kevin Budnick, um, on Patreon. And I stopped reading his posts on the internet because he, or email posts because he sends a book every month and I like, I just wait for the book and then I sit down oh, and read the book and it's, that's it's delightful. Oh my gosh. That's nice. I might. I'm not so, a patron yeah. for I'm not a patron a patron mm -hmm. for for Western mm -hmm. Phoenix, but maybe I will do that. Maybe that's what I need. Is like I want to contribute to this because I think it's I think it's great. Um, oh, there you go. All right, I could be a twenty five thousand dollar issue sponsor. That's something. I don't think mm -hmm. I can do that. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking more like like ten bucks a month. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> you get to twenty five thousand eventually. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm just, I'm on the payment plan. I'll get when I get to my twenty. When we get when we get there, my my uh, um uh, uh two thousand five hundredth week or or month. Uh, just name that issue exactly. after me. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. All right, cool. Well, I will. Uh, thanks for for doing this, and I will get this out. Uh, hopefully tonight. But I'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Bye bye. Okay. Bye.